Welcome to World Oil's Oil Field Electrification Technology Podcast, sponsored by Joliet Electric Motors, powering today's oil field for tomorrow's energy. All right, I am Jim Watkins, and I'm back here with my co-host in crime, Shane Ackerberg. Good to see you, Jim. How's everything going? It's good, man. It's been a busy time, man, since we last got a chance a lot, to sit down and record. Right? A lot of things happening, man. And we're here with a very special guest. Would you care to do the introduction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is impressive. We're here with Tim Tibbet, who's the CEO of Joliet Electric Motors. And that name, Joliet Electric Motors, I know you heard it because, <laughs> because they're the ones who actually sponsor this whole podcast. So you've seen their name around. You've listened to a lot of people they work with in the oil field up until this point. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All Good right. to be here. Yeah, Tim, before we dive into your history, tell us a little bit about where we are right now recording. So we're in Joliet, Illinois, central Illinois, or northern central Illinois, about an hour and a half from Chicago. We've been here since in this building since 1974, incorporated in 1954. 1954, wow. wow. We incorporated in 1954. The... Keck Electric, Keck, the Keck Brothers started in 1934. Ah, okay. All right. So they ran it as like just an independent shop until, Indep- until that time? Independent shop until 1954, and then we incorporated as Joliet Equipment Corporation, and then we've been up until now, as of 19, we're Joliet Electric Motors. Nice, nice. Yes. And one of the things, you could probably hear the ambient noise here, but we are actually on the shop floor. This is fantastic, right? From our little recording table, we can look out. We can see motors being worked on. We see the cranes, everything that's going on here. So, Tim, can anybody just come up if they call you and say, hey, man, I want to see a tour of your shop? Certainly. All right. We're All always right. welcome customers. Yeah. Anyone yeah, that wants yeah. to come look at it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah this building's probably built in the early 1920s. I think 1918 might be the date. Wow. So it's wow. been here since. It was the Joliet Institute of Laundry. <laughs> what? It was an industrial laundromat before we moved in. Get out. Yes. Yeah. So really? we to, if we have to diversify, we're in good shape. Right. We can always right. fall back on that. <laughs> wait, wait. I, so I tried to set this up as much as the Glen Bar as I could. You know, we've got a little libations, and mm-hmm. but probably not as nice as the Glen Bar. But. Yeah, but I'll tell you, one of the things that amazes me is because I didn't know that part of the history, right? But when I'm looking out on the shop and I see the vastness of it, you could easily see how this would be an industrial laundry place. I mean, it's wide open. I mean, obviously, they didn't have cranes and stuff for moving laundry around before. But No, it was all on, on rails. Well, uh, I see Laverne yeah. and Shirley, maybe. But I know that's in Wisconsin <laughs> and a little bit of north, but, you know, that's what I got going on in my head right now. Yeah, uh, uh, No, it's an impressive place to be meeting and talking with you, Tim. So tell us, man, your CEO... You're young, relatively, relative to me anyway. So <laughs> oh, we're pretty close. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so older so, than Shane. I'm older, older than Shane. Than Shane. <laughs> we're all older yes. than Shane. We can agree Shane's on that. Shane's still in the force. And, and, right. and, I, and, I, and I make him feel a little older sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you come to be CEO of Joliet Electric Motors? You know, it's, ah, geez, it's a long story. I'm trying to make it as short as I can. I was at college at Eastern, came here, worked during the summers in the warehouse. After college, I'd gotten in a pretty bad car accident. And I had to pay off some bills, started working, and I went from the warehouse into the drives division. We were at Siemens Drive House for 30 years. Went into the drives division, did not like the drives division. I lasted about six months, went into inside sales here in the Joliet office. And then 98, 99, mid-90s, we started getting into the oil field pretty heavy in a lot of offshore stuff for Transocean, back, or Reading and Bates back in the day, now who's now Transocean is now... Valeris. Valeris. Yep. Right. So we started doing a lot of work. I had an opportunity to move to Texas in 99. 
to start our own gas division. Wow, so you started that. We had one salesman there for about a year, wasn't making many inroads, and they offered me the spot, and I took it and moved to Houston and spent 11 years in Houston. Wow, I started, didn't realize that either. See, I'm learning so much. I'm learning so much. Gas business. So, so I, that's fantastic. I went there single and came back married and two kids, <laughs> two girls. <laughs> three. I, I have three girls now, but I'm saying when I came back, I was married. Had, yeah, two of my daughters were born in Houston and the other one here born He's got a blended family Julia. now. He's got, yeah, he's got a couple of Texans and one from uh, <laughs> Illinois. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's nice. That's nice. And when you came back, so it was to progress <clears throat> up the ladder here. So it was family owned since 1934 up until 2008. And Argosy, one of the sons of the original owner sold to Argosy Capital. Okay. Been a great partner for the last 12 years, and they offered me a position to move back when that happened. You know, by that time, Shane was aboard. Daniel Quebec, our other salesman, was aboard. So they were kind of taking the reins of what I had started in late 90s, early 2000s, and came back as an opportunity to move into a different role. And that was in 09, and then I became CEO as of June of this year. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I love how you just took credit for everything that Shane has done in oil and gas, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what I'm supposed to do? That's it. That's it. It's perfect. It's perfect. Well, somebody's got to be Dorothy and somebody's got to be Oz. So there you go, man. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it. Well, hey, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you guys are doing for our industry in electrification. So, Every episode up until now, and I'm sure you've listened to them all, you know, we've been talking to different people who are really kind of end users or somehow involved with Joliet in some way because you guys are so key in oil field electrification. So before Shane really picked up that thing, were you guys talking about oil field electrification back in the day at all, or was that something completely different? Well, I mean, you know, as a company, we've always been in electrification. I mean, it's right, yeah. been our, you know really go-to for the last, I mean, 88 years. Right. I mean, that's what we've been doing is supplying electric power for all kinds of different industries across paper mills, steel mills, dredging, oil and gas. I mean, you name it. And we've been doing that with a partner with Hitachi since 1968. Wow. Since 1968? 1968, Joliet has been a partner with Hitachi out of Japan, yes. Wow. Wow. So we've worked on a wide array of applications over the last, whatever, 40 plus years, you know, 50 plus years, so. Right. Yeah, so I was going to just kind of expand on that. You know, when, when Tim, you know, created so much business where he had to go support himself and move back up to Joliet, all that was electrification. All that was part of the drilling industry as it migrated from diesel diesel mechanical rigs to SCR rigs right. to now the VFD, you know, high-spec walking rigs. And, and Joliet's that, been a part of that process the whole way. I mean, really been part of that process since the mid-'90s. That's um, crazy because I mean, that's really that, the beginning, right? I mean, right, and, and like I said, I was on the forefront of when they started going from diesel rigs to DC rigs, really. Right, yeah. Right? I mean, yep. they had DC. I mean, DC's been out there since the 70s, you know, as far as the 752s and the DC drilling motors. But, you know, in the early 2000s, the switch moved from DC to AC. Right. So I was right in the mix of that when that started happening. Wow, that's so, exciting. Right? Yeah, it, well, it really was. We pivoted from the DC to AC and... Had Tachi design a full motor line of horsepowers that fit in that range, you know, from 1230 all the way up to now 2500 horsepower, you know, low volt, 600 volt. Yeah. So that was the big push for what I was working on in the early 2000s into, you know, 08. Hey, everybody, let me jump in here for a second just to thank our generous sponsors, Joliet Electric Motors. Without their support, this podcast wouldn't even be possible. So for all of your oil-filled electric motor needs, whether that's new motors, refurbs, field work, whatever you need, 
be sure and give Joliet a call. Remember, that's Joliet Electric Motors, powering today's energy and transition for tomorrow's energy needs. Let's get back to the show. And was there any talk of like EFRAC? Because a lot of what we've been talking about is focused on the EFRAC here. Was there any there was no talking of EFRAC in 2008? No talk. No talk, yeah? It was all just drives and stuff like that. AC, that was a, yeah. yeah, low voltage AC, VFDs, and that was a big push for, you know, last, you know, 15 years plus. Right, right. And sure. then, and so who was the guy, Shane? Who came up with the thing about, hey, look at this EFRAC thing? Huh? <laughs> well, he, he, <laughs> Wait, Tim I, might say something different, but it was definitely collective. Mm-hmm. Tim was, like I said, he was busy up here at the shop and he was running, running Joliet. And run things very smoothly. And, you know, there was a couple downturns in the rig market and the rig market started, you know, stalling out. And we were kind of looking for the next best thing. And we had, I don't know, when was that group that approached us? The the original EWS guys out of Canada at OTC. This was eight years ago. Probably close to eight years ago. Nine years ago. They were the kind of the pioneers of EFRAC and the motor solutions they were going with. Let's just say it didn't work out. Right. So they were looking for a different motor solution. And so we were approached eight, nine years ago. And then there was an opportunity where the market had stalled on the drilling side. And Tim said, hey, man, what do you think about EFRAC? And I said, that's a great idea. And the beautiful part is, you know, from a team effort standpoint, Joliet supported me and Tim and I worked hand in hand to kind of go out and develop this EFRAC market. And yeah, I mean, you yeah. go ahead and, I mean, it, and add like to that. Said, we knew it wasn't going to be a, you know, one or two year cycle. No, it definitely I mean, wasn't. We knew it was going to be a long haul and, you know, we the changes, let's get after it and yeah. put the pedal down and so we can drum up. Well, he yeah, knew, I mean, he knew we, my limitations. Right, I mean, we had, we had, <laughs> we have, I mean, we have Itachi backlinks for the product lines. We can pretty much, you know, supply any type of horsepower range, depending on, you know, what torque and horsepower and speed you need. So that really wasn't the, it was just, you know, finding a niche and Shane's done an awesome job of finding, you know, those opportunities and we've been able to capitalize on them the last, you know, three or four years. Yeah. And how does that work? Like for you guys, I mean, you guys do servicing, you do everything out of here. Let's say I'm in Midland and I'm having a problem. How does that play out, right? Like I need an engine to be reworked or whatever. It's reaches our limit you know, one of your electric motors, how does that work? We actually supply it from start to finish. So the customer just tells us, hey, we need a motor picked up here. I don't care if it's a rig site in Midland or out in Colorado or out in Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. We'll send the truck in, pick it up, get it here, disassemble it, inspect it, test it, and, you know, give them a proposal for it and repair it. And we'll deliver right back to wherever they, you know, wherever they want or back to the original location. Right, right, So we handle it from A to B. So all they have to do is make one call. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause so they don't have to worry about trucking and all that. We just, we handle it from A to B. And that's one of the big things of, and I think the core of Joliet's business and kind of what sets us apart is really, you know, it's integrity and, you know, quality and really the service. I think those are the three main components that the original owners kind of started with. Right. We might've lost a few years in there, maybe in the late, to early 2000s, but really my goal is to try to bring that back, you know, to the company. And we have over the last couple of years. That's awesome. Um, so yeah. that, that's kind of what sets. But we try, the service is really a big, it's a big focus for us. Right, right. You know? And now here's a good question for you. Do you guys only service Joliet Motors or do you no. service other people's? No, we handle everything up to about 10,000 horsepower. We operate under about, our building's 100,000 square foot. Uh, we operate on about 75,000 of that. Mm-hmm. And plus we got a building next door, you know, storage and other manufacturing. So, yeah, so we're close to about 100,000 square foot. So we handle any, anything, is, if we can lift it with our 25 ton, and uh, we can, uh, we can uh, repair it. 
Excellent. Well, that's incredible. Now let's talk a little bit about the future, right? Because we know from talking on this program, right, Shane, that right. EFRAC is a growing side of the business. And, you know, probably five, ten years down the road will be the vast majority of fleets that are out there, right? I mean, it's ESG and all of those concerns come to the fore. It'll definitely be shifting that way. And we're just at the beginning. But what is Juliet doing to prepare for that? Well, I mean, you know, every opportunity that we've received, I mean, what we're doing to prepare for it is really look at what seems to be horsepower fits for us, you know, in the future. I mean, I don't know if we'll go any larger than what we're offering now. We could, and we have the ability, Itachi has the ability to go larger than what we're supplying now. It really just depends on how that whole, I guess, puzzle fits together, right? Shane, yeah, no, so, think? yeah, I think some of it depends on power infrastructure. Are we going to look in that? Is there one day where, you know, you, we've got some low-voltage solutions out there, we've got medium-voltage solutions out there, we're going to migrate towards, you know, high-voltage straight off the high line right. if that infrastructure gets built out? And that's one of the nice things about that and with our partnership with Atachi, that's something that we can accommodate. We can grow and evolve with the industry as the power becomes available you know, for EFRAC specifically. The other side of it is when it comes to other applications and the industry starts to migrate towards electrification, like with workover rigs, coil tubing. Obviously, there's gas compression that's already taking place. Right. We have a pretty wide spectrum of capability to accommodate all of those different types of applications. It's just a matter of partnering up with the right people and getting ahead of the curve and being able to produce the solutions that they're looking for. Right. And as far as capacity here in the shop, you guys are working on expanding that as well, right? We are. We are at this point. Yeah, we've got some expansions for 2023 and probably a second one in 2024 or 25, depending on you know where everything goes. But we've done a lot of work in the shop over the last year and a half as far as maximizing our space here in the shop and setting up you know different stations for mechanics and Improve safety, morale, and lead times, really. Yeah, that's fantastic. And what is the lead time these days? I mean, a standard drilling motor repair, you're looking at about three, four, or five weeks. Really? Somewhere in there, just depending on where we're at and what month it is. Right. But it normally doesn't go any further than that. Oh, okay. Unless it's something major. Yeah. Unless it's and a major rewind or whatever. But even rewinds are six, eight weeks. Really? And yeah. so how does that compare? Like, because I don't know. Is that a standard in the industry? Is that just what it is these days? You know, it, or, it's, you know? It's, it's hard to say. I mean, I think that's pretty standard, I would guess, depending on where you're at. But like I said, we also were able to, you know, turn stuff around in, you know, five, six, seven days. Right, exactly. Which comes up quite often during the year, especially if a rig down situation, you know, we carry, you know, well over 3.2 million in inventory here for drilling motors. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So that gives us an ability to turn one out pretty quick if the need occurs. Yeah. I just was going to kind of add to that. The motor sales side of it is definitely a huge part of our business, but really the backbone is all these guys here at the shop. Yeah. I mean, what would you say the tenor of expertise we have here is? It's I'd say probably average 20 years. Really? Average. Wow. It's, wow. Gone, it's gone down a little bit because we've got some new hires in that are younger kids right. that we're training through our system as far as mechanics and, you know, and not maybe winding so far, but mechanics and disassembly, assembly, testing, dynamic balancing, machine shop. We've got new welder, 21 years old, kills it. Nice. That's awesome. He's, nice. He's, he's, yeah, he went to school for about eight months, came in and. Yeah, so we've got some younger kids in, so it's dropping our... But, I mean, our, our main mechanics are 25-plus years. Wow. I mean, our engineer, Jim's 31 years. I mean, our, our, so, I mean, so Jim, our machine, Jim, our machinist has been... I mean, he's here 30... I think Jim's 32 about. So, so. spitball, I'm usually good at putting people on the spot with some questions, <laughs> but so spitball, like, if you're just going to take an aggregate of all the experience we have here in, in years, what would you spitball that to be? 
Wow. I'd have to say it's got to be close to 200 plus years. Oh, wow. Uh, or yeah. more. 250 Easy. plus? Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. wild. Easily. And, you know, one of the things yeah. that Tim was touching on, too, previously was we were talking about integrity. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about working here for, can't believe it, 16, 17, whatever it is now. You know, I know that Tim's done a really good job of setting expectations and really meeting those expectations, trying to exceed them. And going back to the integrity of running this shop, Joliet was one of the first ISO 9000 shops in the United oh, really? States, correct? Wow. This year is 25 years ISO certification. Get out. 25 years. Yes. That is crazy. So when it comes yeah. to integrity, standard operating procedures, quality control, we've been doing it for a very long time before we were told to do it. Right. And then also we've had one of the largest VPI tanks until, you know, until recently as well. And I say recently, what? Well, I mean, last 10 plus years. But I mean, we've, I mean, our dynamic, dynamic balancing machines, you know, 25,000 pounds, you know, can handle 12 foot diameter, 16 foot length. So, I mean, the tools we have here really lend itself to doing larger motors and right. really any type of generators, motors, DC, AC, you name it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, thanks so much for inviting me up here and, you know, being able to record here in the shop is just, it really is a pleasure to see it firsthand. And I suggest any of you guys, if you're ever in Joliet, wait, before we go, let's just add something about that because there are other reasons to come to Joliet, Illinois, <laughs> right? Aside from coming to visit your shop. So what else is there in Joliet? What else is Joliet known for? Well, we talked earlier. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to go over well, but the barbed wire fence, uh, the guy that panned it was from DeKalb, I mean, as far as Illinois. But, you know, I mean, Illinois is agriculture, you know, anywhere from Joliet South, all ag, you know, but Joliet was a huge steel town back in the day. And for movie fans, that was my first thing. Yeah. When I, I, mean, when I came Brothers, here, I had right? to go see, yeah, Town Joliet, Street. Jake, yep. Yeah, yep. Blues Brothers, the movie, that yep. prison is right so, here in town. You can go and see that prison yes, and those can. buildings. They got tours now and everything. It's, oh, do they? Yes, they do. Oh, they okay. got full tours inside in the jail. And actually, the son of one of the owners, Jim, his cousin was the actual original Joliet Jake. Really? Oh, wow. Wow. Yes, that is a fact. That's a great so story. So he was the original Joliet Jake, but I'm sure you can read about it, but that whole thing. But yeah, Blues Brothers, you know, but we were a big steel town back in the day. And right now we're, you know, about a mile and a half from the shop is the biggest intermodal in the United States. The intermodal? Intermodal. Where all What's the, an intermodal? Where all the trains come in with overseas shipping containers. Really? Yes. It is the biggest intermodal in the United States. Really? I about didn't... About two miles. As far as the crow flies, about two miles from us. Oh, okay. Yes. That's crazy because it was such a big steel manufacturing facility. All of that stuff was built out back in the day, or is that relatively That was new? all new build. Really? Yes, all new build. Wow. Joliet, Joliet has annexed land all the way almost to Wilmington, or Manhattan, touching Manhattan and Wilmington, which is south of us, and yeah, biggest intermodal in the U.S. Wow. So this is, this is uh, due to be a big growing area, more industry coming in. Yes. All of that. How are the property taxes here for people from Texas? <laughs> Jim's looking for somewhere to retire. Not, no, so, no, no, not no. so good. Not so good? No. <laughs> okay. But it's still a good place to do business. I mean, you guys stay it, away, right? It, so. it is. I mean, we've been here for, the, I mean, for obviously, you know, for as long as, for 88 years. And I think we'll be here for quite a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still so. stuck on the barbed wire thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, know. yeah, yeah I know. I know. Isn't that right? Every Texan listening to this right now is like, no, I'm sure so, barbed wire was invented by a Texan. So we did Google this. 1784 was the year. There's a 1786 marker for a Texan to, to invent it. But at the very least, you know, if we're going to nod our heads at that, then I can just say, well, at least when it comes to baseball, we can say go Astros. <laughs> 
That's right. That's Have right, Tim. Have at it. <laughs> All right, Tim. Thanks for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Hey, yeah. thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming up and spending some time with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's guest. If you have any questions related to today's episode, please email us at oetpodcast at worldoil.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Joliet Electric Motor that's been providing engineered custom motor solutions for the oil field for over 30 years. If you have any questions related to your motor needs, please email me at shaneh at joliettelectricmotors.com.